Greetings, greetings. It's an honor to be with you one more time. And we're still talking about the work of the Ecclesia. Today, we are talking about minister and deacon, the appointed. All right? We're talking about minister and deacon, the appointed. I'm reading from the book of Acts chapter 6, verse 2 to 3, and it says this, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. For what reason, brethren, look you out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Amen. The reading of God's word is already blessed. So, in essence, when we look at Acts chapter 6, verses 2 to 3, a need was fulfilled. Now, before I get into that, you may wonder why have I incorporated minister and deacon into the same segment. Um, well, I did that because actually minister and deacon actually mean the same thing. They both mean servant or minister. So I decided because they basically uh, function the same way in any fellowship. I mean, may, well, from fellowship to fellowship, they're offices or responsibilities may differ but generally they are actually the same now with that said a need was fulfilled and you may wonder what is the need well if you do research scripturally and historically you will find out that this particular instance um the gentiles had a need the fact was these people were pilgrimaging they were following these apostles from place to place leaving their homelands and as a result of that they had needs that arise and unlike the jews who were basically in their homeland they could have probably ran at home and gotten food or provisions or shelter or whatever they needed but the gentiles were far from home so they were neglected so when the apostles made this request, in particular, the, the need or the, this deed was supposed to facilitate the Gentiles so that their needs could be met because they had widows and uh, people that needed to be housed and fed and looked after. So this is how the office and the ministry of, of the deacon and the minister on particular deacons actually began to function. So this was actually to fulfill a need. Now in modern day, of course, the, the, the general role of the minister and deacon really hasn't changed. When you look at the context of when it was or, or why it was created, Mainly they function in the assembly and looking after the assembly of God where the church comes or the people come to, to worship. But this is basically still the same responsibility. While the apostle or the bishop or the pastor, however you have it outlined, is focusing on the word of God and prayer, these men, they deal with the day-to-day -day business of taking care of the believers 
Okay, so let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So even when you look at the ministry of Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, his ministry was primarily about service. So it's an expectancy among those that would come after him. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take his cross and follow me. That's Jesus' words. It's expected that we would also be servants. Okay, so this is the holy precedent. This is a precedent that Jesus has set. So we've got to be servant-minded. All right, I'm going to read a very long passage. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 1 to 13. So I want you to bear with me. It says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness being inclined to do, or sorry, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, you may be ready, lest perhaps if they of Macedonia came with me and find you unprepared, we should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a bounty and not as covetousness. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes to us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the one of the saints, but it's abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your distribution unto them and unto all men. Now, it is important to remember why this ministry came to be. Now, it was a long read, but I want to break it down for you. I apologize for the long read, but I wanted you to get all of that. Now, at the center of all of this comes one of the main things about giving that I think that is important that we not skip over. Giving, especially in the first century church, was never compulsory or it was nothing that was forced. The Apostle Paul makes it clear that every man needs to give according to his desire to give. 
not grudgingly or necessity or nobody needs to make you feel oh you got to give or this is gonna happen or not he didn't say any of that he didn't try to pronounce any curse on anybody if they didn't give or he didn't do it the only thing that he said was that according to how you give that's how you receive so he says if you give sparingly you're gonna reap sparingly if you give bountifully you're gonna give bountifully and that's a simple principle that's understandable but he made them to understand i want you to give but i want you to understand in giving that it has to be from your heart i want you to give willingly okay why did he want them to give because it was a need he was not collecting this for himself and i want you to take note if you analyze the scriptures i just read that's second Corinthians 9 1 to 13. he was not laying hands suddenly on nobody so if he needed a hundred dollars from them he wasn't coming up on them instantly say look here let's get that hundred off no he was giving them time to prepare themselves to be a blessing to the people that i need these gentiles had needs they were far from home and they wanted to support the ministry but guess what it was costing them so who should take on this this uh blow they are brothers and sisters they're not jews but they're still our brothers and sisters they've been engrafted into this tree so we've got to take care of them so he made it everyone's responsibility i love that but he did not do it as a taskmaster or cool taskmaster that was trying to uh, tax the people. He, he didn't come off like that. In his asking and appealing to them, I, I want you to see, to take a note of it. He, he, he wanted them to understand that, hey, these people have a need. And we've got to meet it. Listen, he says here, says for the administration, sorry, for the administration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanks given unto God. So he wanted them to see, look here, man. Yeah, these Gentiles and, and, and them have needs. But you're not just blessing them. In blessing them, you are blessing God. And this is how we bless God. Truthfully, realistically. We can't add or take away anything from God. I don't know if you understand me today. He's God all by himself. But when we bless those that are of him, when we bless others, even that are outside of him, we give glory to God. Because for some people, it's easier to bless a saint than it is to bless a sinner, if I were to use those terminologies. And then for some people, it's easier to bless a sinner than to bless a saint. But whoever we bless, on whatever side they're on, we, we have to understand that it's glory to God. But it has to be from a heart of willingness. Don't allow anybody. I get kind of sensitive on this because I've seen it happen for years and I'm quite frankly tired of it and I won't stand for it. You don't have to give if you don't want to. Notice in these in this in this 13 verse monologue, he never makes anybody give anything. He he, he gets them to understand. Look here, it's on you. If you want to give, you can give. But here is the need. You know, so we can learn a lot from this apostle. All right. So 
I want to read 1 Corinthians 9 and 13 now. It says, Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait on the altar are partakers with the altar? So the ministry of the minister ought to replenish them, is basically what he's saying. And this is another one, because there are many people that argue, oh, you shouldn't pray preachers, pardon me, or you shouldn't live off of the word. The word of God is free in it. No, that, what, that is not, we're actually mixing a few things here. First of all, this scripture is clearly saying, 1 Corinthians 9 and 13 says, Do you not know that we that which minister about the holy things live? Of the things of the temple and they which wait on the altar or partakers with the altar this is actually referring specifically to the old testament tabernacle and the temple even in in the time of david and them for example let's give you a, a quick example you know that the levites did not have an inheritance right so they were taken care of by the offerings that were given to the temple which were given by their brethren so we know that god had his portion which was the fat and the choice stuff and then the rest went to the levites uh, let's bring it even more practical the shoe bread that they changed daily who do you think ate that when they took off the the old shoe bread and put the new hot ones there who do you think ate that show bread the Levites. So what, what am I saying? I'm saying that the scripture also says that you shouldn't muzzle the ox that treads the corn. That's easy to understand. It's, an, it's impossible for you to put an ox to work in a cornfield, right? And tell the ox, boy, you tread this corn now, but you don't eat any of it while you're treading. Impossible. How is he going to get strength to do what he has to do? And it, and it applies for the preacher or the minister. And even furthermore, anybody that's laboring in the ministry. Because if you look at it, we, I know we group ministers and deacons with the, the rest of the folk. But the truth is, they are of the full like anybody else ministering. Because at the end of the day, they are a servant. The title still means servant. I don't care what you spin it. So anybody that's laboring in the ministry should eat of the ministry. I want man. I don't know, I'm getting a little sensitive, so you gotta excuse me. Getting a little worked up. I think because there is a belief that there's some people that believe. Okay, there's some people that believe that the pastor shouldn't eat or nobody should eat of the ministry. Then you have another level that believe that only the pastor should eat of the ministry. So that negates the musician, that negates the other workers that probably aren't working, but they're giving their money and their time to the ministry. So, also, they are oxes too. They need to be furnished with some of the coin. What I'm saying is, the wealth of the ministry needs to be distributed equally. Because, for example, let's go back to what we were reading in 2 Corinthians 9, 1-13. These people were giving their time to the ministry. These Gentiles, right? In particular. They weren't working. They were supporting the ministry. 
Now the apostle is taking upon himself to say, look here, man, we've got to furnish our people. These people are coming from here and there to support us. They got needs. We got to help them. So it is showing you how this thing ought to, ch to change hands. I know that we've been programmed to think that you should give to the church and not receive anything of it. But that is not scriptural. And you are in need. You got rent to pay, bills to pay, all kinds of things. And you don't want to be blessed by the hands that you've been feeding for 30 years of your life? No. That ain't God and it ain't scripture. So if you are working adult, I'm speaking to any believer today. If you are working at the altar or you're working at a church and you're doing stuff in the ministry, I'm here, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it. You are entitled to some type of reimbursement, just like a pastor. Let me give you an example. If a pastor is a full-time pastor, he gets, he's given up his job. So now the ministry has to take care of him, right? We understand that. But if you are a full-time keyboard player, a full-time drummer, and you don't work, the ministry is supposed to support you. And that goes for any category. If you are a minister, full-time minister, full-time deacon, and you don't work, the ministry is supposed to support you. If you are supposed to support the ministry, how is the ministry not in turn expected to support you that i mean make this make sense for me people pardon me if i'm getting a little worked up but it's a touchy subject for me and like i say i believe in most cases we are enablers because we enable this abuse we enable this abuse to take place okay so we we've got to we've got to understand that we are enablers of this abuse. So even as we as we look at this, and I'm I'm wrapping up. <laughs> Got a little worked up there, but I'm wrapping up. The ministry of the minister or to replenish them. And I believe that straight across the board. It doesn't matter what your title is. But today we're talking about the minister and the deacons. Pretty much, and I may get in trouble for this, they do most of the work in the ministry. These, these two people, the minister and the deacon, right? They should be replenished for their work in the ministry. If you don't replenish them, you're going to have burnout and resentment. They need to be appreciated. Okay, but this one has worked me up more than any other segment. But I, I, we're gonna, I'm going to wrap this up. And I look forward to seeing you next time as we talk about the work of the Ecclesia. All right? Blessings on you.